This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning and welcome to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. It is Tuesday, April the 20th, 2021, day 20 of the fourth month of the new year. Looking forward to today's show. We got Trust Tuesday sports wrap, what happened yesterday in Washington County sports, and Trust Tuesday. So let's first start in the world of professional sports. Let's first start in professional baseball. The Cardinals beat the Nationals 12-5. to the Red Sox beat the White Sox 11-4. Local Hagerstown son Lucas Giolito got the loss in the game. The San Francisco Giants topped the Phillies 2-0. The Tampa Bay Rays beat the Kansas City Royals 4-1. The Texas Rangers beat the Angels 6-4. The Seattle Mariners beat the Dodgers 4-3. The Brewers beat the Padres 3-1. And yesterday's postponed game was the Minnesota Twins and the Oakland Athletics. Point to tonight's games. The Baltimore Orioles travel to Miami to take on the Marlins. The Cardinals are back in the nation's capital to play against the Nationals. The Dodgers have an early game in Seattle today at 4.10 p.m. The White Sox are in Cleveland to take on the Indians. The Twins and Athletics are going to play at 6.30 in Oakland. The Braves travel to New York to take on the Yankees. The Diamondbacks are in Cincinnati to take on the Reds. The Pirates are in Detroit to play against the Tigers. San Francisco remains in Philadelphia to play against the Phillies. The Blue Jays are at Fenway taking on the Red Sox. The Mets are in Southside taking on the Chicago Cubs. The Tampa Bay Rays are in Kansas City to take on the Royals. The Houston Astros are in Colorado to play against the Rockies. In the doubleheader of the Oakland Athletics and the Twins, will first pitch will be 9.30 p.m. this evening. The Texas Rangers are still in Anaheim to take on the Angels and the Nightcap. The Brewers are in San Diego to take on the Padres. Now on to NBA basketball from last night. The Chicago Bulls beat the Celtics 102-96. Jalen Brown has 23 for the Celtics. Nikola Viacek has 29 to lead the Bulls. The Pistons stop the Cavaliers 109-105. Isaiah Stewart has 18-16 to lead Detroit, while Colin Sexton has 28 to lead Cleveland. The Warriors go into Philly and beat the 76ers 107-96. Steph Curry has 49 points, in which 10 of them were three-pointers. He went absolutely off. I watched the ending of that game last night. Joel Embiid did lead Philly with 28 points and 13 rebounds. The Spurs beat the Pacers 109-94. Derek White had 25 points to lead San Antonio. The Heat beat the Rockets 113-91. Kendrick Nunn had 30 points to lead Miami, while Christian Wood had 18 to lead Houston. The Wizards beat the Thunder 119-107. Bradley Beal goes for 30, while Darius Basley leads OKC with 26 points. The Spurs beat the Bucks in overtime 128-127. Chris Paul has 22 points to lead the Spurs while Giannis has 33 to lead Milwaukee. In double overtime, the Nuggets topped the Grizzlies 139-137. to 
Jokic has 47 and 15 to lead Denver, while Ja Morant has 36 to lead Memphis. And in the nightcap last night, the Jazz beat the Lakers 111 to 97. Talon Holton Tucker led LA with 24 points, while Joe Ingles led Utah with 21 points. That's all for last night's game. Let's talk about tonight's games. The Orlando Magic are in Atlanta to play against the Hawks. The Hornets travel to New York to take on the Knicks. The Nets are in New Orleans to go against the Pelicans. The Clippers go north to travel to Portland to play against the Trailblazers. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are in Sacramento to take on the Kings. That is all for NBA basketball. Now on to NFL football. Longtime quarterback Alex Smith announced his NFL retirement Monday, capping a 16-year journey that started as the number one overall draft pick at the NFL Draft and ended after his improbable return from a gruesome injury. Smith, who turns 37 next month, said that he wants to spend more time with his family. He did win the NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2020 after getting back on the field after an injury that cost him two years and almost his right leg. Even though I have plenty of snaps left in me after 16 years of giving this game everything I can, I want to see what the next few years hold when I can hang out in the backyard with my kids. He suffered a compound fracture in November 2018. Many assumed his career was over. It required 17 surgeries to stem an infection in his right leg, which was almost nearly amputated, and he was able to come back and actually play last year. ESPN documentary Project 11 aired last spring and it showed him going through all the numerous tests and milestones along the line. I hope he has a great retirement. He definitely deserves it. We will stay with surgeries. Patrick Mahomes said Monday that he is ahead of schedule after recovering from the surgery on his turf toe right after the Super Bowl and the loss to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He thinks he's progressing well. He recently traveled to Georgia to attend the Masters Tournament with, among others, his teammate Travis Kelsey. I'm ahead of schedule. We're obviously going to be extremely cautious. We're not pushing me out there too soon. I'm doing what I can. I've gotten out of the boot. Finally, it took forever. Now I'm trying to get back on the field and get working on stuff. I'm sure they'll keep me on the same pathway, and hopefully I'll be able to do some stuff by the end of the all season. Attorney Rusty Harden has filed an answer to the 22 lawsuits that have been filed against Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans. His legal team said they had already uncovered evidence of numerous allegations in this onslaught that were truly not accurate or just not true. From March 16th to April 14th, 23 lawsuits were filed against Watson alleging inappropriate conduct and sexual assault. Once lawsuit was dropped by a plaintiff for now, in quotes, according to documents in light of privacy and security concerns. As of Monday, the lawsuits filed against Watson are mischaracteristics of his conduct. He is going to be fighting this for a long time, if not the rest of his career. Speaking of off-season workouts, let's stay with the OTAs. While several NFL teams have decided to not have attend in-person voluntary off-season workouts, the Green Bay Packers have told their players that the first month of spring team activities will be virtual. The Packers will reconsider in-person activities before phase two of the off-season, which will begin on May 17th. Phase one typically includes meetings along with strength and conditioning workouts. The Packers have among the largest group of players with all-season workout bonuses in the NFL. A total of 19 players have a combined more than $5 million at stake by participating in the majority of all-season sessions. A source said the Packers players will work out bonuses and will be credited attendance by logging in virtually. Players also have a per diem per day attending that. 
So as of now, the per diem will get paid of $275 and they get that credit just by solely being virtual in those meetings. I really need to figure out how to get that per diem because that's crazy. Just to show up and you get $275, I guess it's a different level when you play at the NFL. That's all for the NFL, now on to college football. A North Texas football signee was among three people that were killed in an apartment complex in Austin, Texas on Sunday. The Elgin, Texas Independent School District confirmed this in a statement. Willie Simmons III, an 18-year-old seaman at Elgin High School, signed to play with the Mean Green in December and was set to join the team this summer. The school district said the 17-year-old Alyssa Broderick, who also played for the girls' basketball team at Elgin, was killed during the shooting. Simmons was Broderick's boyfriend. Amanda Broderick, who was also a 34-year-old, was killed along with Simmons and Alyssa Broderick, who was her daughter. Police announced Monday that Stephen Broderick, who was 41, has been arrested. Officers had searched the for Broderick, a former deputy with the Travis County Sheriff's Department in Austin since Sunday, according to the police report. Amanda Broderick was Stephen Broderick's ex-wife, and when Alyssa Broderick was his stepdaughter. That's unfortunate, sad, sad news down there in Austin, Texas. Indiana and Notre Dame have scheduled a home-and-home -home series in football for 2030 and 2031, marking the first time the in-state teams will meet since 1991. The Hoosiers and Fighting Irish will open the 2030 season at Notre Dame Stadium on August the 31st and then meet again on September 27, 2031 in Bloomington. The teams have not met in Bloomington since 1950, which will also mark Indiana's last win against the Fighting Irish. Indiana and Notre Dame last played a series from 1955 to 1958, though all four games were in South Bend. The teams met again in 1991 as Lou Holtz Irish beat Bill Mallory's Hoosiers 49 to 27. According to Indiana coach Tom Allen, I'm looking forward to facing one of the most storied program histories in all of college football. It's tremendous for the state of Indiana and for our fans. It will be a great opportunity for our players. For the recruiting class of 2022, it looks like Ohio State is going to have the number one class. But with that being said, Alabama had their spring game this past Sunday, and 55,000 fans packed Bryant-Denny Stadium for that game, and they are already said that there will be 110,000 fans in that stadium starting this coming season. SEC does not play around at serious football, and they're looking to pack the place and get ready for everything else. Speaking of SEC, former Michigan quarterback Joe Milton chooses Tennessee as he's been in the transfer portal since February. He feels as though playing in the SEC will give him an excellent opportunity to get his dream, which is to play in the NFL. That's all for college football. Let's go to college basketball now. The number one overall player in the country as a senior, Chet Holmgren, committed yesterday to Gonzaga. He also is the projected number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He made his announcement on SportsCenter. He said the process was hard. I had to learn a lot on the go. I had to lean on others and get their advice. My dad went through it and coached Larry Suggs with Jalen. I kept getting consistent advice and I will get a feeling when I know. Not overanalyzing everything because everything sounded so good. Nobody ever sells you on their weakness. It was Gonzaga's consistent approach, how versatile they are on the court and their offensive style. They take their talent and tweak the system based on their personnel. They know how to put it all together, and that's why I chose them. 
Chet is a center at Minnehaha Academy in Minnesota. He took official visits to Ohio State and Gonzaga before the coronavirus pandemic set in and shut down in-person recruiting. He also went on unofficial trips to Minnesota, the University of Maryland, and Georgetown. His dad, Dave Holkner, played ball at Minnesota. Chet is extremely close friends with former high school and AAU teammate Jalen Suggs, who just finished an unbelievable freshman season at Gonzaga and is a projected top five pick in this current draft. He did have a lot of influence, he said of Suggs. He's someone I know and I trust. We've had a ton of casual conversations. He is both a friend and a teammate. I could hear it from him firsthand. I could watch him play and see how the team plays, then we would talk. It's a culture that I want to be with and I'm willing to work to be in. We will stay right there with Gonzaga and Jalen Suggs. The freshman who is rated the third overall player is now entering the NBA draft. He made the announcement Monday on the jump from his Minneapolis home. Suggs, a six foot four point guard, led Gonzaga to a sensational season as the Bulldogs went undefeated before losing to Baylor in the national championship game. Suggs had a historical performance in the overtime Final Four victory over UCLA, including his buzzer-beating three-pointer that banked in from about 40 feet. He is 19 years old, is considered a franchise-leading point guard, and is expected to be among the top three picks in the June draft, along with Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham and USC's Evan Mobley. In not-so-great news, ESPN College basketball analyst Bob Valvano, the brother of the late North Carolina State men's basketball coach and broadcaster Jim Valvano, said on his social media yesterday, according to ESPN, he has leukemia and an aortic aneurysm and some kidney damage. Jim Valvano, who died in April of 1993 from cancer, led a heavy underdog NC State team to the 1983 National Championship upset of Houston before going into his broadcasting career. He is fondly remembered for his heartfelt speech at the ESPY Awards two months before his passing in which he said, don't give up, don't ever get up. The award show created the Jimmy V Foundation in his honor, as well as the Jimmy V Classic Basketball event, which is held in the early part of the season to support cancer victims and survivors. Bob Valvano, a former college basketball coach, does analysts for ESPN broadcasts of men's basketball, including the color for the University of Louisville, in addition to a daily radio show. He said Monday on his Twitter that he does not know if or when he'll need treatment for his leukemia, but the prognosis is good according to the docs. Valvano has also revealed the aneurysm and kidney illness, which might have resulted in taking a pain reliever for his back. Valvano wrote in another tweet that his cancer doctor was taught at Duke Medical School by Joe Moore, who's the one that treated Jim Valvano. He knows I am in good hands. Hopefully we can say a prayer for Coach Valvano as well, which is, is not something that the Valvano family needs. That is all in the world of college basketball. When we come back right after this, we will have a little Tuesday trust. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three, two, one. Welcome back to Never In My Wildest Dream Podcast. Let's talk Tuesday trust as we are going to talk about becoming a leader and how to become a better leader with values and habits. But we need to talk about eliminating some things in order to be more successful at this job. Vala Ashfar is the chief evangelist of Salesforce and a very high prolific insider on leadership and technology. He's also the author of a book called The Pursuit of Social Business Experience, and he co-hosts a weekly show by diving into the latest digital business and innovation trends. 
He lists nine qualities that we'd be wise to eliminate. It seems simple list of elements we should abandon to improve our standing in the workplace as well as relationship with loved ones and friends. Shedding these won't necessarily ensure our careers will reach new heights, but it also is going to make our lives a little bit easier moving forward. So here are the nine. A zero-sum mindset. A sense of entitlement. Being motivated by compliments. Relationship with pure takers. Name dropping to impress. Telling people how busy you are. Quitting for no logical reason. Pretending to know something you don't. And keeping grudges. Let's take a moment and candidly grade ourselves on each one of these. Then let's re-rank this list in our own personal relevance. As we begin each day, let's remind ourselves to eliminate or at least very reduce the ones at the top of our list and then slowly work to remove each one mentally. Before long, we can re-eradicate these and we begin to feel empowered with some new sense of sales confidence and selling yourself as a person. Becoming a leader today is not easy, but accumulating the values and habits will actually help us become a much better leader. I think these are a great place to start to build trust for those who work with you. This is my Trust Tuesday segment, and when we come back after this, we will talk about Washington County Athletics. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Welcome back to Never in My Wildest Dream podcast. Let's talk about local athletics and what happened here in Washington County yesterday. First started South Hagerstown High School, where undefeated Clearspring traveled to South Hagerstown. The game was not even close. South lost in five innings, 12 to zero. South now falls to 0 and 5 for the season, while Clearspring remains undefeated at 5 and 0. South only had one hit, which was Joey Lysinger, who plays basketball for me. Clearspring is coached by Mark Shives, who does an unbelievable job. He sets the mindset and the IQ of the baseball guys, and he gets them to play extremely well. It's fun to watch those guys play. Now on to the North Smithsburg game. With the potential tying run on second base in the bottom of the seventh inning, Henry Ortiz got a strikeout and a ground out to earn the save as the Hubs held off the Leopards on Monday, 5-4. Connor Conroy got the win on the mound in relief as Max Stifler, who allowed one earned run, struck out six and four and two-thirds inning. Ryan Tower had two hits, including a double and an RBI for North, who are now 5-1, while Craig Clark also had two hits, including a double. Austin Dent, Javon Burnett, and Dylan Shoemaker each drove in a run. For Smithsburg, who's now 1-4, DJ Miller had two hits. Josh Black hit a solo home run. Cole McKeever, Luke Barnes, and Davis Bowman each drove in a run. Ethan Caudio took the loss, although he had allowed three earned runs while striking out eight and five in the third inning. I will say I was at this game, and there was one call that if you listen to this and you know baseball, you're going to know that Jim Joyce blew a call against Galarraga when he had a perfect game going in the ninth, and they said that his foot was on the base and it was a tie. Bases are loaded yesterday. Chopper gets hit to third. Third baseman comes up, throws the ball home. Catcher's treating it like he's on a first baseman, puts his toes on the plate. The umpire calls him safe because he saw the heel up. He admitted to the player, the catcher, that he boned the call, but he could not overturn it. And ironically, that one run is the difference in the baseball game. It's unfortunate. I wouldn't want to be an umpire. I wouldn't want to be a ref. As a coach, I've always said this. 
but a call like that determined a huge difference in the baseball game. And yes, his foot was on home plate. In the Boonesboro-Williamsport game, the Warriors built a seven-run lead and then held on for victory over the Wildcats on Monday. Trailing 8-1, the Wildcats scored three runs in the bottom of the sixth and two more in the seventh. Evan Weaver pitched five and two-thirds inning for the win, allowing four runs, five hits, and four walks. Dylan Elkins had two hits, including a double and RBI for Boonesboro, who now is 3-2, while Reed Gorman had a double and two RBIs. Jake Neff had a double and an RBI, and Carter Stottemeyer, Cody Reinhardt, and Matt Kenicky each drove in runs. Cam Jackson went 2-for-2 two two with a double and an RBI for Williamsport, who is now 2-4, while Caden Jackson had a double and three ribbies for the Wildcats. St. Maria Goretti played Washington yesterday. Cam Motes had four hits, including a grand slam, and Jason Rivera had three hits, including a home run and a double and five RBIs to lead the Gales past the Patriots Monday. Ryan Hobart also homered for Goretti, who are now 6-2. and two. They won 22-12. to 12. Let's switch gears and go to the softball. Yesterday in Smithsburg, the Smithsburg Leopards beat the North Hagerstown Hubs 14-4. to Boonesboro beat Williamsport 15-0, but that's not the story in this one. Rachel Roop and Madison Taylor pitched three flawless innings as they combined for a perfect game and the Warriors' sixth-inning win over the Wildcats on Monday. Each pitcher faced nine batters, allowing no base runners. Offensively, Boonesboro, who's now 4-1, racked up 19 hits. Roop, who picked up the win in the circle, went 3-for-5 with a home run, while Taylor went 3-for-4 with a double. South Hagerstown High School beat Hancock 16-5. Emma Wade went 3-for-3 three three with a home run and five RBIs. And winning pitcher Maddie Wade, her sister, went 3-for-4 with an RBI as the Rebels get by the Panthers in five innings on Monday. Maddie Wade allowed two runs on four hits with no walks while striking out seven in three innings. South is now 3-1 on the season. Leah Palmer had two hits, including a double and two ribbies. Paige Whittington had two hits and an RBI, while Bethany Higgins had a double and drove in two runs. Maddie McCook and Jenna Phillips also added RBIs. Hancock fell to 0-4 on the season. That is all for local athletics. Here's who's playing this evening. North Hagerstown softball is at Clear Spring today. Boonesboro is at Clear Spring for tennis. South Hagerstown is at Smithsburg for tennis. Unified Bocce, Clear Spring is at Smithsburg. Boys Lacrosse Boonesboro is at Smithsburg, and in Women's Lacrosse North Hagerstown is at Boonesboro. That is all for the Washington County Sports, and that is all for today's show. I want to thank you for listening. Looking forward to coming back tomorrow. We got Wednesday Wisdom. We have a recap from tonight's Little League game that I'm going to, as well as Sports Wrap. And I'm going to try to get somebody on the phone tomorrow to chat up a little bit as we get closer to the weekend. I know it's only Tuesday, but I'm counting down already to the weekend. So. Thank you for listening to today's show, and we will talk to you soon.